We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. I think this is where we hum a little bit and make sure that we're really live, but I think we are. So it's a, a full um, a full slab tonight, I think. There's heaps of people going to join the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining. It's My name's Cheryl Downs. We've got a whole bunch of people here, including one special, special guest, but actually two special guests. We've got Emma Checker is going to join us from about 6.15, so bear that in mind and make sure you stick around for that. We've got Stefan has joined us to give us his regular Nordic rap, but also a wrap around the ACT. We've got Eric has joined us and he'll give us plenty of updates from his container at the New South Wales MPLW. And I think he's pretty excited with the latest young Matilda squad that's come out. And then as a very special guest, we've also got Angela Christian Wilkes, who's part of the Beyond 90 editorial team. And she's also one of the amazing contributors to the Far Post pod. So good day to all the, all the folks on the Far Post pod as well. So it's really a pleasure for me to have Angela on here with me. I love it when we've got plenty of women in, in the front pack as well, but also to talk specifically with Emma Checker about plant-based footballers. So without further ado, maybe we should throw to Eric and you can jump into, we're twisting it around this time and we're going to start off with MPLW just to make sure it gets enough time. Okay, so uh, leading, uh, thank you for leading um, off with my favorite league in the entire world. And also, I'm so glad, by the way, I just want to say I'm honored to have Australian Woso podcast royalty and Angela Christian Wilkes here, the undisputed star of the Far Post pod, in my opinion. And I'm just, I think this is a real honor. Thanks, Angela, for gracing us this <laughs> podcast with your time. Oh, the ring lights showing up, all me, me blushing. Thanks, guys. Honored to be here. <laughs> Okay, so I think NPLW Roundup, we've finally uh, played all uh, catch-up games now. So on Wednesday, I that Wednesday was actually my 50th NPL TV call, and it was really it was something that was meant to be, uh, my 50th call being a midweek game in the rain at a random ground. So uh, Sydney Olympic defeated Sydney University 1-0, and uh, the Olympic captain, Mackenzie Hawksby, maintained her excellent form, scoring the winner with about 15 minutes left against a former club. And on to the Sunday games. So I was out in the open at North Taramara Recreation Area to call Northern Tigers versus Apia Leichhardt. It finished 1-1. Um, my notes were drenched by the 20-minute mark, and I think my notebook is actually still drying out. It's a tough life. So um, Sydney Olympic... So the, one of the other games, Sydney Olympic defeated Football New South Wales Institute 5-0, extending their lead at the top to three points. The Institute had players, you know, rested after that, uh, the last young Matildas camp. So, you know, nothing to be concerned about, player development's their aim. Sydney University defeated uh, Blacktown Spartans by two goals to nil. So one goal from Caitlin Torby and the other goal from Futsal and Canberra United superstar Bianca Galich. That's one you'll want to see right up, right in the top corner. And then, so Manly United defeated Bankstown City 4-1. Move on, nothing to see here. And then Illawarra Stingrays defeated Emerging Jets 5-1. And our Molly Appleton will be thrilled because one of her favorites, Talitha Kramer, scored for Stingrays. 
and Talitha Kramer, a former Wanderers W League player, and showing the kind of form that might get her back into the W League, really. And then emerging Jets attacker Milan Hammond scored, and uh, that's noteworthy because she's also been called up to the next young Matildas camp, which we'll discuss in a bit. And finally, uh, MacArthur Rams drew nil all with Northwest Sydney Koalas, and my commiserations go to the commentator Alex Moltenov, who travelled for 90 minutes to that ground, roughly, judging on where he lives, to call a scoreless game in the cold. Yikes. Anyway, so it's so that's uh, my wrap-up, and I'm glad Cheryl mentioned um, the, my beloved shipping container at Blacktown Football Park, because that's where I'll be Next on, uh, be on Sunday to call Blacktown Spartans versus Bankstown City. So I'd like to throw to uh, ACT expert Stefan for his wrap of NPL Capital Football Round 10. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, Round 10. On, in the Saturday game, uh, Belcon United won 4-2 against Canberra Olympic. Um, Olympic had a bit of a mountain to climb after conceding three goals in the first 10 minutes. But, um, but they showed a lot of resilience and fought back well for a sustained period for the for the for most of the balance of the game. Uh, Kira Bobbin scored a brace for, for Bill Connan and Ashley Sykes scored her 12th goal this season for Olympic in 10 games. So pretty good return there. Um, on In the Sunday games, uh, West Canberra Wanderers um, had a 1-0 home victory on synthetic. They're both, both teams play on synthetic normally, so there was no real advantage as far as... Um, the surface on this occasion. So West Canberra did well to win that game. They're, they're about three positions below the ladder from compared to Academy. And they won without um, Tiana Jaber and Emma Stanbury. So it was a good effort um, against, against the Academy side. Um, over at Deakin Stadium on Sunday, it was a bit one-sided. Um, Canberra Croatia beat Tuggeranong United 12-1. Uh, it included a, a Olivia Fogarty hat-trick and after two goals in this game, Brittany Palombi has now scored 14 for the season. So he's uh, top of the ladder as far as the uh, the golden boot. Uh, Zoe Terry scored uh, for Tuggeranong. And uh, later on, when we talk about Queens of the Week, we, we'll talk about a, a particular achievement that came out of this game. So I'm look, looking forward to that. Um, I went out to the um, Gungahlin United versus Wagga City Wanderers game. And it was a 4-0 win to the home side. Um, Wagga City had trouble defending uh, Eric Pen Pennyfield's excellent corners in the first half and conceded two that way and also a penalty. And Jade Brown got taken down by keeper Samantha Evans, who's just been selected for, for young Matilda's training camp. So well done, Samantha. And she played an excellent game in, in this game, especially in the second half. A uh, number of really good, strong palm saves away. Um, but they still, yeah, down 3-0 at halftime. Uh, much better defensive effort after their captain, Suze Wire, uh, went back into the defence in the second half and kept them to one goal. And that one goal was scored by Michelle Heyman, who came on for her first game uh, in, the, in the black and white uh, colours. Um, so she played for the last 30 minutes and it was um, really good to see her running around. Um, she seemed to be running with some freedom, with, with mostly freedom, but I know she's been coming back from hip injury since the W League season. Um, and uh, she volleyed Erica Pennyfield's corner into the net at the far post. Unfortunately, I marked at the far post um, with five minutes to go. And there was a really lovely moment at the end of the game as Michelle went and uh, addressed the entire Walker City squad afterwards. And um, my son Kai took an awesome photo of that. And uh, that'll be in the wrap that you'll see this week. Um, so as a result of all that, 
Canberra Croatia are now on top of the ladder on goal difference, and there's now only four points between positions three and six, which has once again become a bit of a logjam. And that's it as far as ICT. All right. Terrific. Thanks for that, Stefan. And I think the really good thing, I mean, you called it out, Michelle Heyman is such a, a great person to engage with the community and the fans and the players. And she did, we announced last week or the week before, I can't remember which one it was, that she's picked up a role with Football Australia and can't really think of too many better people to do that role. But also good to see some of the old names in there. And I shouldn't call them old because they're probably still many, many years and decades younger than me. But Ash Sykes, good to see her in the mix as well i've got a quick wrap for us on victorian football so it's been back on after two weeks i think it was of shutdown and i, I look at angela because i think she might be one of the best place people to tell me but i, I think three weeks lots of weeks far too many yeah. weeks so <laughs> three rounds in total i think most people missed yeah so about so a month the- of football yeah So the first game I got to see was, and I watched these on live stream because as much as the games were back on, we weren't allowed to have fans at the game. But we did see South Melbourne, who are first placed at the moment, take a 10-0 win over Bayside United, who are at the bottom of the ladder. Top versus bottom, probably a little bit hard to get along with. But Melina Ayres scored not only a hat-trick, but she scored five goals. So she's doing fantastically well. I'm not sure how many total goals she's got, but that's pretty awesome. The next match that we saw was Heidelberg United, who are fifth on the ladder, actually stunned Calder United with a 1-0 defeat. And then the next, they were both on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we saw Box Hill lose 3-0 to FE Emerging, who are really just doing a great job this season. And it's good to see them being really solid in the way they play. And there's a game on tonight. I think it's 8 o'clock tonight. So we'll see Bulleen in fourth position. We'll take on Alamein. And that cue my dogs to start playing in the background. And Marissa from the Far Post is commentating that with um, Joey Lynch. So definitely tune in if you're not doing anything else. This evening, I reckon. It sounds perfectly warm to go out to the game. I feel sorry for her, but <laughs> well, I reckon that's probably fantastic timing. We've got Emma Checker is just joining us as we speak. Um, we'll wait and see. Oh, there we go. We've got Emma. Thank you very much for joining us, Emma. I'm not sure how many of the gang you know, but I, I'm Cheryl. We've been chatting away. We've got Angela Christian Wilkes, who is one of the original Beyond 90 contributors and was writing for the women's game before then as well. And she's also one of the people on the Far Post pod. So very happy and honoured to have a, a bit of a, a crossing of pods here. We've got Stefan, who's one of the key people who covers the, the Nordic football. I'm not sure if you've seen that he's got a particular passion for all things Nordic but also ACT and then we've got Eric on the podcast as well and Eric's one of our just amazing knowledgeable people about I don't know Eric if it's young Matildas NPLW New South Wales and possibly anything Tory Tumath and beyond so that's the crew that you're talking to Emma we're waiting for Raleigh Dobson to join us as well um, and we'll give Raleigh a little bit of time to get into it because she's just walked I think 150 kilometres from, is it Sydney to Newcastle, raising funds for the a Brain Cancer Foundation. So I think she's pretty tired, but she will be joining us soon. So Emma, how's your day going so far? Yeah. Hey guys, thank you for having me on. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you all. I My day's actually just started. It's, what are we, 8.15? So it's... Um, 
yeah, game day morning and I'm feeling really good. We haven't had a game in a couple of weeks and we're playing against the reigning champions today. So I'm in a really good mood to speak to you guys. I'm buzzing and I can't wait. You look like you're doing really well because Selfos are first on the ladder and then I think the reigning champions are third, although it could quite possibly be a very tight ladder. But let's talk about your journey that you've got at the moment in Iceland. And one of the questions, I may as well start off with a fan question as well, because I know that Nadia is one of your biggest fans. But the first question she's got for us is, how has it been adjusting in Iceland and how does it compare in their league to the playing style that you've come across in the past? I suppose, whether or not it's W League, Matildas or Asian football as well? Yeah, um, great question. I mean, for me, I'm firstly, I'm absolutely loving Iceland. And I think most people can feel like that's pretty clear through what I put out while I've been here. I'm, yeah, I'm really grateful for my opportunity. And it came about, you know, it was a very rushed process getting across here. And I've been fortunate enough to end up at a really great club. And you know, they're, they're so supportive. We've got a great group of girls and obviously everything is smooth sailing when you're having success as well. But I think beyond the success that we're having, I'm just in a really, really good place. And it's a, an amazing country to live in. And I'm just really stoked to be a part of a club that's full of such great people. And we've had a, yeah, a great start to the season. I mean, we won four on the trot and the club had never won more than three consecutive games. So we started really strong and we've had a tough couple of games um, leading into now, but, you know, we've had two weeks of preparation in the break and I'm, I feel like we're going in really strong to the game today. That's good. I feel like I'm going to throw Raleigh right in the hot seat because I know <laughs> she's she's probably excited to say day to you. <laughs> I was trying to answer my question while not getting sidetracked over seeing her in the bottom corner. <laughs> Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of a question really quickly. I don't even know what we've asked so far. Um, <laughs> we've only just kicked off with one question, so you should be pretty right. And I, I think it was really just to touch on how the move to Iceland came about a little bit and what are the comparisons between the league there. And it sounds like Emma's having a great time, so there's plenty of scope for questions and we'll let you take over. Oh, okay then. Um, I suppose for me, what, what formation are you guys playing there, Emma, and how are you finding it? Yeah, we're playing a pretty stock standard four-back. We've got two holding midfielders, a 10, two wingers and a nine. And we kind of play in a way where the the midfield three, you know, can move into a 2-1 or a 1-2 based on the press. Um, And it's working really well for us. I mean, like any team, you have to have a formation that caters to the calibre of players and the characters and everyone involved. And we've just got the perfect players to make that work and we've got a really strong outright nine who's performing really well so I think it it makes a lot of sense that we play with her as the target player up top and we've got a lot of quality in our wingers as well and actually I feel I feel bad even saying that the quality is there because we're very well rounded to be honest and we're in a position where we've actually you know we've we've got people fighting for spots it's not a guaranteed starting lineup and I think that's something that's um you know proving to be a strength of our team is that we've got depth on the bench um and you know we've got we've got a number of girls that are good enough to start any game and I think that's something that does put us in the position that we're in and I think the 
the thing that goes with that as well is that we've got a group of girls that will support each other regardless of the decision. And that's, you know, it's hard to have a competitive group, but also one that can support each other regardless of the decisions. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it's been really good so far. And we, we tried a three back in a um, practice match against the under 19 Icelandic team during our two week international period. And, you know, it didn't go to plan, but, there's nothing wrong with that. It was the right time to try it. And, um, you know, it, the first 10 minutes were rough. We conceded a number of goals in the first 10 minutes just because we we hadn't worked on it before. Um, but, again, I think credit to our coach. He was smart. You know, you, you have to, if you're going to give it a go, it's the right time to do it. So we did it in a game where it didn't impact um, the table or a cup, you know, results. So, even though it was disappointing to concede so many goals within that game, I think it was it was good that we gave it a crack and now we know what is right for us. Yeah, good. And how are you finding the lifestyle over there? Oh, I love Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, it's, I really enjoy, I'm living in a small town with only, from memory, it's just over 7,000 people and mm-hmm. I basically can walk for, I'm living on the outskirts of the town and I can walk to the opposite side of the town in about 20 minutes. So (laughs) it's, and I ride my bike to training every day in less than five minutes. And it's just, I'm actually really enjoying it. I was a little bit worried about how I'd go in such a small town after, you know, the fast paced life of Melbourne, but to be honest, it's actually been exactly what I need. It's, it's refreshing. And I, I got up this morning and I, I've already been for a walk and I think I saw two cars in half an hour. So it's, it's very different, but it's, yeah, it's a great lifestyle and it's, it's been a really good place for me to focus on football without any distractions. Nice. I'll pass on so someone else can ask questions. I won't dominate your time. (laughs) I'll just jump in quickly. One of the um, amazing benefits of going live with uh, podcasts and stuff like that, and certainly having someone jump in hot when we've already started the podcast is that I've forgotten to do an intro for you, Emma, and I I apologize for that, but um, (laughs) cap 186. I don't know if it says that on the cap, if you get any number printed in there or not, but I'm pretty sure you're number 186. Emma has played 100 plus W league matches across Adelaide, Victory, Canberra and back to Adelaide, I think. And then you had a winning season with Melbourne City when they were completely undefeated in 2019 and 2020. You've also got seven Matildas caps when you debuted in 2012 with a 4-0 win against Hong Kong in the East Asian Women's Football Championships. But most recently, we've been really excited to see you back in the fold with the Matildas playing a couple of games just this year against the Netherlands and, and Germany. So, And most recently, as we mentioned, you're playing... For for Selfos in Iceland and prior to that we had a bit of bit of a chat with you or or maybe it was Bubs that had a chat with you and we've got a great article that we'll be able to link everyone to so again thank you for joining us I think from my perspective I've always loved the way that you play and I I think you've developed as a a footballer quite a lot across the years you're so from the outside because I I obviously don't know you but it looks like you're just so dedicated on on working on your opportunities or areas for improvement and just building strength on strength and as much as it feels like you've been around the game for such a long time which you have you're still really young and in you know, not even necessarily the prime of your career because you're um, 
25, I think, from yeah. memory. Is that right? So, I mean, yeah. just in, in terms of what you've accomplished, that's just still such a young age and plenty more to go. But one of the key topics I wanted to talk to you about tonight is plant-based athletes. And the reason that I have a particular passion about that, because I'm vegan myself, I've been vegan since 2002. And I know that plant-based athlete doesn't necessarily mean defining yourself as vegan, but I'd be really interested for you to tell us a little bit about that journey for you. And, and was it something about performance or, or was it something else that it, it came into your being? Yeah, absolutely. And firstly, that's great that you're vegan. I love that. I didn't realize. So that obviously shows an interest in this topic. Um, but I, I can't yeah, cook I... whatsoever, which is really bad. But <laughs> <laughs> I should learn. <laughs> We'll have to do vegan cooking classes next time. <laughs> I think it'd be a winner. And we, we talked about, sorry to diversify, but I can't remember. We were talking to one of the, it was either Leah Blaney or um, it was one of the coaches for the young Matildas or the junior Matildas. And we were talking about how they come into camp and they have cooking skills and cooking workshops oh, wow. and stuff like that as well. And it looked like they were That's doing great. amazing. So I think we all put our hands up and said, can you help us out? But um, for the moment, we'll leave it to you to help us out and keep talking about it. I won't butt in anymore. Yeah. So basically my, I guess, journey to this point and becoming, and I do label myself as vegan, so that's absolutely fine. Um, started, what, what is it? Over two years ago now. And if you'd asked me three years ago, if I'd ever be a vegan, I probably, to be honest, would have given you the generic response and laughed and said, don't be ridiculous. I can't ever be without meat. Um, so I'd, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I've always had um, these views and, you know, uh, thoughts and feelings around my eating. So it's, it's obviously developed in the last few years. And I, I can't really remember the main trigger point into where it turned, but it, just a little bit of background, like I've always had lactose intolerance and I've always, you know, found myself bloating from foods and not really understanding why I feel a certain way from when I eat certain things. And so while I was already not eating dairy and since I was quite young before there were many good um, alternatives, to be honest, um, I then decided to go pescatarian and that would have been I would over two years ago now and the main decision behind that was that I actually just wasn't feeling good when I ate meat um, so there was no I wouldn't say that I had any real uh, values issues or you know it wasn't to do with morals or anything like that at that point um, it was just purely from the fact that my, my body didn't feel like it was able to break down meat in a way that I wasn't enjoying eating it because I didn't feel good so that was kind of the first move. And then once I became pescatarian, I, this is Riley will probably laugh at this typical me. I'm a little bit of a nerd. Like once I start doing something, I'm, I just have to know everything. So I was like, well, if I'm going to make a decision like this, I'm, I may as well educate myself more. So then I got started listening, you know, I listened to podcasts. I started reading books about um, plant-based eating and being a vegan and the environmental benefits. And then I started to feel a sense of an attachment to the bigger picture to it. And I, I couldn't, you know, once, once you know something, you can't unknow it. And I felt like I started to know too much and I knew that I could be better. And I then also started realizing that I was, I, I was feeling better from being pescatarian. I was like, wow, if I feel better from this, I, I wonder if I can feel even better again. 
And so I, but I decided that I, I wasn't ready to make the move because I wasn't educated enough. And I knew that I'd seen other people try and make that transition to being vegan and plant-based without being fully educated and it hadn't necessarily gone so well. And so I wanted to make sure that by the time I made the full transition that I, w- I was in a position of, you know, understanding the requirements of it. And obviously in the early days, you, you have to put a lot more thought into what you're eating because you're obviously making up for losses in well, what at the time seemed like losses in other areas. And, but I think another reason that I was drawn to it was I was always low in iron, even when I ate meat. So I was like, you know, it's, I'm already supplementing iron. I'm already, you know, having to make these supplement decisions. So what difference is it going to make? And so it was kind of like my mission to find a way to do it in the way that worked for me. And it was actually very coincidental that at the time I was thinking about this, I met my partner, um, Mandy, and in conversation, she was speaking about how she's pescatarian and she's been vegan in the past and wanted to go back to it. And I was like, wow, like what, you know, it was right at a time where I was trying to educate myself on it. And it just aligned perfectly that I had someone else to help educate me and support me through the transition. So you know, it, it really made a difference being in a household where we were able to make those food decisions together. And we still spend a lot of time watching environmental movies and documentaries and, you know, listening to podcasts because there's just always more to know. And I'm just hooked now. It's like, you know, I, it's something really important to me. And I have noticed a difference in the way that I feel and the way that my body functions. And one, I would never go back because of the way I feel. But two, I, I know too much to go back now. And it's something that I'm now passionate about. And from an environmental standpoint, I, I can't ignore that. And it's, you know, I don't, I, I try to remove my judgment for other people and their decisions because I was that person. And, you know, if you'd asked me four years ago, my view on someone being vegan, I I probably wouldn't have given the most empathetic or considerate response. So I, yeah, I removed my judgment to the way other people make their decisions because like I said, when, unless you know better, you can't do better. It's like anything in life, unless you've, you know, unless you've learned about something, how are you supposed to know? And so like, I, I can't help but encourage people to watch certain things that I've seen because I feel like, for me, it was once I saw those things, I, I just couldn't ignore it. And it's on, you know, there's more and more coming out now, I think, which is great. And a recent one that hit me was Seaspiracy. I, you know, I know that there's a lot of, you, you know, there's bias in a lot of those movies and I, I understand that. But at the same time, there's also hard hitting facts that you can't ignore. And so for me, it's, yeah, it's become a big part of who I am. And it's actually something I'm really proud of. Yeah, and fantastic. I love the story as well. I think my transition was that I, I was never really interested in in meat personally, but yeah, so it's been quite a long journey and a lot of ve- uh, vegetarianism before then as well. But I've never been to Iceland and again, I'm not educated well enough to understand what it's like to be there. But have you found it to be difficult in Iceland around getting a, a plant-based diet? But I've seen, I think on some of your socials that you cook up a, a mean meal by the look of it. So maybe you don't rely on going out to a restaurant as much as what I might. Yeah, I've, I've actually been really lucky here, to be honest. It's 
um, if I'm to well, if I'm to compare to my experience last year in France in terms of food options, it's um, I'm much better off here. I'm finding it a lot easier. Um, even just in terms of um, like grocery shopping here, it's the food here. It's unbelievably fresh. It's just there's this whole different um, approach to food here, which I think is unbelievable. And they're already so environmentally conscious and sustainable in so many things that they do that you feel you actually feel like you're eating better quality food. And I think the other big bonus is they they have really good vegan options. So I can I can do all of my supermarket shopping at a regular supermarket whereas in the past when I've been abroad you know you're finding organic stores um, vegan stores like you're kind of hunting the country to find just a piece of tempeh or tofu but you know it's it's like here it's it's amazing like I have access to so much and and I can go out for a meal and everywhere has a vegan option now and I mean like you said I, I don't actually eat out that much to be honest because I I love cooking. It's something that I also, when I'm away, enjoy putting a lot of time into. So, um, yeah, I haven't eaten out too much, but the the great thing is that if I do want to go out, I can. And even in a small town, if I were to go to the local um, cafe or restaurant for a meal, I would I would have options. I think I might throw to Angela as well because one of the one of the reasons we've been able to steal Angela for just a little while is that it, I think it's a pretty important topic to you as well. So. I'll let you have the next question. Yeah, um, I guess one of my questions in terms of being vegan or transitioning to veganism as an athlete, um, originally my question was going to be like, how informed were you beforehand? Because I was one of those, I guess I'm vegetarian, but when I transitioned, I just did it with no understanding of a balanced diet. Uh, no understanding of how to fuel my body properly but did you like what was the point where you're like okay I can do this now do it in a really sustainable way I suppose yeah I, I think I caught most of that so I'll try and it just cut out a little bit on me but um what I gather from that was you were asking at what point did I um essentially realize that I was ready to um you know, go through with the decision and make the change. And I think for me, it was, um, I can't, yeah, it's hard. I think it's hard. I find that one hard to answer just in the sense that I felt like I just had this knowing within myself and I felt, and I actually did essentially go cold Turkey once I had that feeling. Like I, I woke up one day and that was it. I never ate meat again. I never ate fish again. I never had an egg again. It was, it was actually quite literally wake up one day and be done with it. So and again, it's it's kind of in my personality. I'm all or nothing. So my decision was from the moment that I felt like I had that education backing that it was it was just time to go hard with it and stick with it. And the first period was definitely challenging because even uh, you know even though I felt ready, you, there was still a lot that I was worried about as an athlete because I was conscious of the fact that it still was a big change, even though I did have this knowledge around it. Um, so it just, it was definitely a journey and a um, process of even just little things like going to the supermarket and constantly reading labels to make sure something was vegan. I felt like I spent the first 12 months in the supermarket for triple the amount of time because I just didn't know what was vegan and what wasn't. And you know, you have milk powder or an egg in things that you just wouldn't even know. So it was it was definitely a slow process initially, but I think 
the great thing is you reach a point where you actually can just, it, it just becomes normal. It's a part of who you are and a part of how you live and you don't really have to think about it so much once you've stuck at it for a little while. And yeah, it's like anything, like, you know, you practice on the field, you get better, you become a vegan, you work with it. It becomes, you know, it becomes second nature. I think it is honestly like anything in life. I think, think that you echo the pain that what my wife feels anytime that we go to the supermarket because I'll be I'll be inspecting everything it'll take quite a while but I actually quite enjoy going to supermarkets as well different ones uh, you know in different suburbs or around the world to see what sort of options that they've got there as well and we're we're definitely picking up as we go but Eric has shared with us some really good information as well about about a, a football club that is entirely vegan so Eric did you want to walk us through that a little bit yeah, so, uh, so the club's name is Forest Green Rovers. They play in the fourth tier of English men's football. And really, I think their current owners are all about sustainability. So they have like a fully vegan uh, canteen. All the players are vegan. They're um, looking at sustainability. So they're trying to build um, like a wooden stadium, which of course is, you know, materials that are more sustainable, um, then what's steel or concrete or whatever is usually used in a stadium. And it's just, uh, yeah, I, um, sorry, I'm just trying to remember this article, but yeah, it's just, it was very interesting, you know, given, especially kind of the culture around English men's football, especially in the lower leagues that there's, um, yeah, an, uh, like a fully vegan club, I think, Actually, from what, what I read, it was that um, the players were just um, the easiest to get on board because what the way they convinced the players to go um, fully vegan was uh, something similar to what Emma was saying, just that it'll improve your performance. And so now I hope I hope this the kind of thing continues. The, the Guardians uh, produced a really good article, I think, earlier in the year about them. And there's uh, other stuff as well. And so, yeah, Forest Green Rovers, I'm really on board. We'll share all of that in our show notes as well, because I think it's quite interesting, but I'm curious to know as much as there are a couple of vegan or plant-based footballers that I'm aware of, um, if there's any others out there, feel free to to ping us at, at Beyond 90. We'd love to hear from you as well. But we've got Lauren Barnes is one player who's been vegan for quite a while, is my understanding. Tegan Ellen, I think someone's put in there. And then Melissa Mazels, who's a goalkeeper who's played not only at Melbourne Victory, but also Canberra United. And I think she was at Perth Glory for a little while as well. So there's definitely some players out there. And my question, I suppose, is a little bit around how do the nutritionists at, at the clubs that you've played for, how do they factor that into what sort of nutrients you might need to get and manage with your body? Or is that something that you do just completely by yourself? Yeah, good question. And um, firstly, I just want to say that club is unbelievable. Like I, again, couldn't help but go full nerd mode on it and do my research. And I was just um, mind blown. It was the most incredible thing I've, you know, ever read about. I didn't realise that such a team and club existed. And I just found it fascinating reading the history of how the club obviously came about and Vince the guy that bought it like you know the club was folding it had a history of 120 years and just the fact that on day two that he was there he noticed that 
obviously there was the meat industry was involved in the club mm-hmm. and he basically put his foot down and just said no this is not happening and I just you know I've just I've never heard of anything like that being done and I think like you touched on where it said the players were the easiest conversion it's just it's fascinating how when performance is you know a reason behind making a decision how it was so much easier to get them on board and I think yeah, I, I actually want to do further research into that club because I, I think it's something very special and I'm amazed that they've been fully vegan since 2015. It's pretty, you know, six years ago, things definitely weren't, there's been a lot of change between now, uh, sorry, since then and now. Um, but yeah. back to your question, sorry. Oh, yeah, go. Quickly, I've got someone who wants to say hi. Hi, mate. Maddie. Hey. <laughs> How you going? Good, how are you? The special guest. I definitely can't get on board with the vegan thing, but that's okay. Matthew! Matthew! Sorry. <laughs> Respect. I'm going to send him. you got to go and play for Forest Green. Then you'll, then you'll be on board. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So good to, to see you, legend. Happy <laughs> doing well, mate. Happy doing well. Thank you. You too. <laughs> see ya. See ya. Sorry. Oh. Back to the question, guys. <laughs> That was a no- nice yeah. little visit. And and one thing I'll add in there as well is that I did actually message um, the, the club just on social media to ask them if they had any intentions to get a, a women's team over there because they might oh, be able to recruit that. recruit yeah. yourself, maybe get um, Lauren Barnes over there as well and any other vegan footballers that we've got. But, yeah, the question was kind of just about from mm. a nutrition perspective, how much are the nutritionists at the clubs getting involved in the conversations with you to manage what you need? And I'm also aware that not all clubs will have access to a nutritionist. So, yeah, you might be mm. the nutrition person for anyone else who wants to move towards a, a more plant-based diet. And that's a thing. It doesn't – I mean, I'm completely vegan and certainly have my lines that are black and white either side. But being plant-based is, you know, one alternative, but you can also reduce your meat intake and still get some of those performance benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, your question's a good one. And I think I've noticed – obviously with having been in the league for 10 years now, even obviously I've only been vegan for two of those seasons. But if I look at my time in the league as a whole, I think the way the approach of a nutritionist and a dietitian towards um, a vegan or a plant-based diet has definitely shifted. Um, And I have actually been really fortunate that the nutritionists I have had over the last two years have been very supportive and you know okay with my decision to um to approach my you know my diet in that way because I think in the past there's definitely been a stigma attached to it and you know the typical oh well you're going to be low in iron or how are you going to be how can you eat eat a diet without meat like how and it's just I don't think that exists anymore like I think I think for me, my interactions, it's been more about, okay, so you are a vegan, let's make this work. And and I've been really grateful that that's been the approach. And I've had that through Melbourne City and with the Matildas, um, with both the nutritionists involved in those two teams and credit to both of them. They're, you know, they've been really great because obviously it, when you don't have many athletes that are vegan or plant-based, it is you know it becomes the norm to just prepare all of your conversations and your team you know um, meetings and everything around the norm and 
I think, yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with the way that they've catered to my needs in that area and been supportive of it. And um, yeah, with the national team, Alicia's been unbelievable. Every time I speak to her, there's never a question of why. It's just a matter of, you know, how we can always be better. And I think that's the same for someone even who does eat meat. It's, you just want to be the best you can be. And for me, I feel like every time I have interactions with her, that's, we've both got the same desired outcome of that. And it's never, it's never even really a thought of the fact that I'm vegan. It's just, there is just always, you know, the regular reminders of making sure that I'm on top of things like calcium and, you know, vitamin Bs and things like that. But the reality is as an athlete, you have to be aware of all of those things, no matter what you're eating. So I don't ever feel like I'm treated differently or negatively because of it. And in terms of at Melbourne city, I've always been supported in terms of even the chef and the food that we get brought in and given there's always options and it's never overlooked. It's, you know, it's, it's always seen as being really important. And obviously having Lou at the club, uh, my first season, really helped because she'd obviously done the groundwork in making sure that those uh, options were available. So I walked into something that was set up really well. I feel like it must be someone else's turn to ask more questions. We've got so many questions for you, but we don't have all the time in the world either. But who, who wants to put their hand up next? Raleigh, have you got another one? Stefan, you haven't had a go. Angela, go for it. Stephen, you go. Do you have a question? Sure. Um, thank you. Um, Emma, I really enjoyed uh, watching you come out to Canberra United Games in, in those two th- 2015 and 16 seasons that you were you spent in, in green at, at, out at Canberra. I didn't realise that was a bit around the same time you are making some of those changes with uh, some of those decisions around your your, your diet and, and um, that sort of thing. So... I know it wasn't always an easy time for you with the, the knee injury that you had at the time, but I just wanted to um, ask how you look back on those two years with Canberra and uh, whether it was overall a, a good experience for you. Some of my fondest memories are from playing for Canberra. I think I don't think you can ask many people about their experience with Canberra and get a negative response because it's such a special place and it's such a special club and for me, I, you know, my first response has to be that I just love Ray. Um, she was so good to me and she brought me in a, a time where I really needed a support person like her and the support she showed to me went beyond just what I needed initially, obviously a setback of a, you know, a knee reconstruction, yet she still fully believed in me to bring me back the year after. And I've just, I've actually just never had a coach respond to a setback like that in the way that she did she is a very special person and I think you know that was contagious throughout the group and I felt like I was a part of something bigger when I was there it was it was a real family and I really do believe that you know and Heather Reed was a, a big part of the way that that family felt and it was a very yeah very special two years and my time there didn't end because I was unhappy um it was it was not about that it's you know it's just the joys of football when there's changes that have to be made but um yeah I I loved my two years there I've got some special lifelong friends that came out of it and I will always hold Canberra close to my heart because it was a it was a really special two years for me thank you special for us too thank you (laughs) go Angela over to you Canberra more more Canberra (laughs) <laughs> yeah 
Always love hearing good things about Canberra. Um, my question is, you mentioned that you like to cook. So if you're having someone over, what dish would you make to sort of convince them of the sort of joys of vegan food and vegan cooking? What's your speciality um, that you think would wow anyone of any sort of diet orientation, I suppose? Wow, that's a really good question. I like that. Um... This isn't, I wouldn't say that this response is the wow one, but I like, I've got a routine here with my teammates. We, there's a group of us and I actually had the same thing when I was in France. We do a like a family taco night uh, almost every week. And I mean, Mexican's very easy to do vegan, but we incorporate not just like beans. We use like a vegan meat alternative just to show them that they can have something similar to meat that's not and I think for me that's been the easiest way to show someone that's that's not a vegan that there are alternatives that can still feel as satisfying because I think one of the you know the common things that people say is that they just you know they enjoy the taste of chicken or they enjoy eating meat and I think the amazing thing now is there are so many alternatives that almost it scares me to be honest how much it replicates the real thing so I think for a lot of people when you're, you know, they wouldn't necessarily go to the supermarket and buy that for themselves normally, but when that's what everyone's eating and you try it and there's no meat, they re- they're like, wait a minute, this, you know, it's not so bad after all. And so I think while I wouldn't say that I have like a wow dish that um, would blow people's minds, I think, you know, like I, I never have meat in my house. I would never, even if I have people coming over, like, you know Raleigh came over to my house in season with City I will never offer meat when if someone's at my house like that's it's not me pushing my um my views on them but that's just I personally will never um serve up meat because it doesn't feel right by me so I think the nice thing is though that when people are around you know within my house or I'm cooking for them they are exposed to the fact that they can still really enjoy what they're eating so I think for me it's just you know I treat it like it's normal as well. I try not to, um, I don't really engage heavily in conversation around what I serve up to someone. It's just, you know, it's, it is what it is. And they, I, unless someone's been lying to me, I haven't ever had really bad feedback. So <laughs> I think no, it's going No, no bad okay. feedback from me at all. I used to <laughs> love going over to Emma and Mandy's and, and having various food and, and platters. So I can vouch for that. <laughs> Yeah, I certainly I found a. Sorry, go. Oh, you go. No, you go. I was just going to say, I, I just found a, a great vegan oat cheese, which was really, mm. really nice. It was a smoked cheese, and cheese is something that you know, in the world of veganism, I just gave it up back in two thousand and two. There weren't really any options like that, but this one was really, really yummy. So I'm happy to find out what it was, remember what it was, and send Ooh, recommendations. I think I need to, to know that. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I will say that we don't know at what point we're going to get cut off because we, I do have a, a women on side meeting shortly after this and we'll use the same podcast so everyone should ask their question as though it's the last question you're going to get to ask <laughs> and may, maybe we'll throw back to Raleigh if you've got another question ready yeah look my my question is obviously we have lots of female athletes coming through um that are the next generation and for us i know when we went through you know getting an education wasn't the most supported so emma is one of the few athletes that 
you know, is informed and getting an education, what do you do outside of football? What, you know, what what are you studying for the generations that can understand that you can balance study and and football? Yeah, I think your point's really important and it's one that I would heavily encourage to any young athlete coming through, male or female, to be honest, that you just can't underestimate an education of some sort. And for me at the moment, I'm studying a business management degree and I'm majoring in public relations. And I've also got my certificates um, in fitness. So I'm a qualified personal trainer as well. And funnily enough, I'm on uni holidays at the moment and I feel like I'm losing my mind. It's like I actually really enjoy the juggle of um, studying and playing. And I think I think for me, I really value having something to focus my mind on outside football. And it's not a sign that you don't love what you do. It's a sign that you're human and you need more than one thing to think about. And for me, having having uni to focus on is one, obviously I, I know the importance of it uh, beyond my career in football, but two, I also find that it's just really important for my mind to have to focus on something different. And um, yeah, it's the reality is it can be a juggle and, you know, like, you know, better than anyone that the work life study juggle, it's, it's really hard and it's not always easy. And especially when you're trying to finish a major assessment or study for an exam and you've got a big game the next day, it's, you know, it's, it's really hard, but I think that in saying that those challenges are also part of life and, you don't when you stop being an athlete the challenges don't end so I think we have to remember that those challenges are also good learning lessons for the greater you know part of life beyond football and for me I I do really value my education and I'm I try to study at 50 percent so part-time throughout whatever season I'm playing in because it is something really important to me. And Eric, how about you? Do you want to finish up with our maybe final question as we're getting ready for our six o'clock chop off? But before then, I'll just say thank you so much to Emma for joining us on the podcast, but all of you for joining the podcast and having a good conversation about plant-based football. I'd love to have you back on the pod as well, Emma, because I feel like we've only done about 10% of what, what we need to do in, in terms of this conversation. And, and if we're going to be true nerds, we can't do 10%. We need to do 100%. But Eric, I was actually going thoughts- to say, I feel like we're, I feel like we need a part two here it's a little bit like a chop yeah. off at a point where we've got so much more so i'm happy to we can we can line up part two that's for sure yeah sounds oh, brilliant oh my question oh just one thing because you have done uh some media work emma so that's another different thing that you've done so how much um how was that like just it's a different thing but how much preparation and did you do with that and what kind of coaching did you get if any Yeah, so I was obviously really fortunate to get the opportunity to work with Fox uh, on the commentary team in the season just gone. So that was obviously the biggest media opportunity I've had so far. And prior to that, I'd done bits and pieces. And it's it's an area that I'm uh, really interested in and I really enjoy being a part of. So for me, it was if I'm doing anything that's representing women's sport, I'm, I'm buzzing. And when it's on a bigger scale like that, it's, you know, I'm all in. And I, to be honest with you, actually haven't had a lot of training in that area. But I was, you know, when you're 15 years old playing in the W League, you have to learn pretty fast. And 
there was, yeah, I definitely haven't always been confident and comfortable speaking in front of a camera, but I learned to know pretty quickly that it was a really big part of women's sport. And I noticed that it was something that if I can be good at it, it's, you know, it's for the greater good of the game and it's something that I really enjoy doing. So any opportunities like that I take and it's it's something that I do with a lot of pride and I you know I'm not perfect I'm sure I say a lot of things that people disagree with but I also hope that I can you know relate to a lot of people by just being authentic to who I am when I am doing those things so for me even though I haven't had a lot of training I think my biggest approach is that I just present as myself and you know that's how people can relate. More questions, Raleigh? Have you got a final one? We haven't seemed to have been cut off yet. I, I've certainly got plenty more questions. but <laughs> No, uh, look, I'm just, I have so much because I like, you know, I miss I miss it, Checo. I miss talking to her every day. So, um, oh, look, I'll let someone else because I can, I can speak with her a fair bit a lot of the time. So if anyone else has something <laughs> they want to say. Um, maybe we'll just throw back to, oh, go Steph. And I was going to give a, a quick question again to Nadia, who's one of our fans who's sent through a couple of questions. But I think what her question is, is maybe if we spin it in a positive way, the future aspirations, I, I suppose, in football, staying with Selfers, was it a one-year contract that you signed there? And, and then what's the goal after that? Yeah, look, I mean, the goal is I want to be an Olympian. I want to play the World Cup. That's my simple answer. It's been my goal since I was a kid and I'd be lying if I said it hadn't been. And yeah, I feel like I have had moments where, you know, sticking with those goals have been really hard and that's, you know, I'm happy to dive deeper into that in a part two, but it's, you know, it's not always an easy journey. And I, my intention this year wasn't actually to go overseas, but I'm really glad that I did because I'm, I'm loving my time here. And I just decided that I, I have to do everything I can to make it happen. And I'm, even though I've been in the game a long time, I am still young and I feel like I haven't, I'm actually only now starting to get closer to my peak. And I just decided that I have to keep making those hard decisions because when you're a kid that has a dream, you can't, you know, it's not satisfying if you just drop it when things get difficult. And so that is the end goal and beyond what happens here, um, I at this stage will be returning to Australia. Um, I, I love my time in the W League. It's a really important part of the year for me. Um, and then, you know, I'm just taking it as it comes at the moment and just waiting for to see what decisions occur in certain areas and then base my own decisions off of that as well. Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And, and I, I can't wait to get you back on the podcast to talk about more stuff. It's, it's been so much fun. You're so authentic with your your time and your answers. And just in terms of organising to chat today, it's just been brilliant. So I think we should probably wrap it up now. Thank you to everyone who's been watching. Thank you to everyone who listened to us on the, on the audio version of the podcast as well. But you're definitely missing out if you haven't had a chance to see all of us in the video version as well. So thank you to Emma. Thank you, everyone everyone else who's been on the pod with us as well and we'll say goodbye.